about four to five months ago, we began a study of the book of Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes is such an important book because it reflects to us the world in which you and I live. You see, Solomon began himself a study, if you will, a a quest to try to be able to see what life really is all about. And what you and I have done is to follow Solomon as he has looked at life with the perspective of, is it worth anything? And the things that you and I might pursue, are they worth anything? I want you to look with me at chapter 12. I want to look at verses 9 through 11. Because Solomon is going to explain, this is what I attempted to do. This is what I wanted to accomplish when I started this study. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught people knowledge. Yes, he pondered and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find acceptable words. And what was written was upright words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads. And the words of the scholars are like well-driven nails given by one shepherd. And further, my son, be admonished by these. Of the making of many books there is no end, and much study is wearisome to the flesh. I tried to underline some words which I believed drew some of the most important ideas out of Solomon's method that he has followed thus far. He wanted to begin with talking about the arranging. He said, I wanted to set in order Proverbs. You know, when someone is going to preach a sermon, and it's going to be on a topic, it's going to be on a theme, you want to go to the Bible and you want to gather all of the relevant, important information. Same thing is true for Solomon. He said, what I wanted to do, I wanted to take all the Proverbs, all of those wise sayings, and I wanted to put them together, and I wanted to arrange them, to set them in order. You think about that for just a minute. How Solomon took all of those wise sayings about life, and he tried to put them so you and I could appreciate them. He said then he wanted to give acceptable words. You know, when you start thinking about trying to preach, some people might get up and say, well, you just get up there and tell them what it says and you're done. Oh, no, you have to do a little more than that. You have to take those passages and you have to try to put them in such a fashion that people will accept what you're saying, that they'll listen to it, and that they will actually put it into practice in their life. And he said what they are like, these words of the wise, are like goads. I know a lot of our younger people do not know what a goad is, but it was like a sharp stick that would drive an animal in a direction. 
The words of the wise are like sharp sticks trying to poke us and say, go this direction, go this direction. He said the words of the scholars are like well-driven nails. They adhere something, they fasten it, and it doesn't give up. He said these are important, given by one shepherd. And then finally he's saying there's an admonition in them. Be admonished by these. Let them help you be who you ought to be and do what you ought to do. And when he gets to the end, he says, this is then an accumulation of knowledge. I hope as I study the book of Ecclesiastes that I come away and now I'm better because I've listened to what Solomon has said and I've understood what he's tried to, the point he's tried to make and now I appreciate it. So here's what we're going to do in our lesson this morning. We're going to look at chapter 11, verse 9, through chapter 12, verse 1, and we're going to look at it from the perspective of adolescence. You're a young person. What are you going to learn from it? Then we're going to look at verses 2 through 8, and then for the majority of us here, we're going to look at the advanced age, a period of time in which you've grown a little older, and, and you look back and you say... I can see life differently now than I did when I was younger. And then finally, the absolute. In verses 13 and 14, what's life really all about? Let's begin with this first part. And I would like to ask if you are a younger person, and what I mean by that is you're old enough to understand what is being preached. I want you to pay special attention. And I want you to take that all the way up to maybe somebody who's out on just now on your own. You're starting to make your own life. You're, own, you're starting to, to make your own decisions. I want you to listen carefully as Solomon addresses this. I'm going to read these verses again. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. And let your heart cheer you all the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart. And in the sight of your eyes, know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Therefore, remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your flesh. For childhood and youth are vanity. Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth. Before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no pleasure in them. You think about what Solomon just said. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. What if you are 18 years old? What if you're 22 years old? Should you feel guilty because you are strong? Because, because you are learning, because you're growing, because you have all this enthusiasm. No, you shouldn't feel guilty. The truth is, those of us who are a little older, we've been there. We remember the days when you could be strong and there was a lot of vitality there. Youth is the season of life when vitality is there, but it's often the lacking of experience. So what do you mean by that? I've got all the enthusiasm, I just don't have the knowledge I need to use this enthusiasm. 
Not because I don't want to, but because I just haven't had the experience yet. It's a time which you are idealistic. You see everything with rose-colored glasses on. And you feel like, I can conquer the world. But it's also a time that is filled with temptations. Listen to Paul as he writes the young preacher Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 22. Flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of the pure heart. There's a time in which you're young, you struggle to keep certain temptations in check. Oh, we all know about the physical lust that occurs often in youth. Many people know about the the physical challenges, but oh, there's more than that as well. Listen to David in Psalm 25, 7. Do not remember... The sins of my youth. If you were to go to every older person in this audience and say, is there something in your youth that you would not want to talk about? I imagine just about every one of us here would say, I told you I didn't want to talk about it. It's something that I I, I don't, I'm not proud of now. Something I look back and if I had just known better, I would have done better. You see, there's a time in life when youth is is filled with these kinds of challenges. Frequently, it's a time where a person wants to throw off all restraint. You don't want to have somebody to tell you, you need to do this and you need to do it this way. Let me give you a biblical illustration. You remember Luke chapter 15, verses 12 and 13? There was the two sons... And the younger said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Oh, how many people have been given a lot and now they don't know how to handle it. You know, whenever I read this, I always think about the sports figures that maybe were raised in poverty. They went to school on a scholarship somewhere. Now they're in one of the professional sports. And all of a sudden, this person who's never had anything now has multiplied millions of dollars placed in them. And what happens to them? They go crazy with it. No restraint whatsoever. There's a time of youth that you have to be careful. And so what does Solomon say? Know that for all of these things, God will bring you into judgment. God's going to look at you and see what you have done. Chapter 12, verse 14, For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. You know, when you're young, sometimes these young people go off to college. They find themselves being bombarded with temptations such as drinking and illicit sex and things such as that. And somebody says, well, don't worry. The people back at home won't know what all's going on. They won't know this. They won't know that. God knows. God knows. 
Hebrews 9, 27 says, Appointed unto man wants to die, and after this, the judgment. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, We all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things that he has done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So Solomon's advice, Therefore, remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your flesh. While you're young, you can rejoice in this time of life. But don't let sin take hold in your life. Now is the time, he says, to make sure you put away this sin. 1 Corinthians 11, 31 and 32. But if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. If we would only ourselves try to exercise some restraint, to exercise some good judgment, we wouldn't have to be chastened. We would not have to be punished. Prevention is the key. Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth. Young people, as you are listening to the words of Scripture, I hope that you're saying, that's right. And I'm going to make sure my life conforms to God's will even while I am young. Now, let's move to chapter 2, or verse 2 of chapter 12. And let's look as Paul, or excuse me, Solomon addresses these issues going through verse 8. While the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are not darkened, and the clouds do not return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and strong men bow down, when the grinders cease because they are few, and those that look through the windows grow dim. When the doors are shut in the streets and the sound of the grinding is low. When one rises at the sound of a bird and the daughters of music are brought low. Also they are afraid of the height and the terrors of the way. When the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper is a burden. And desire fails, for man goes to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Remember your Creator before the silver cord is loosed, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the well. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. All is vanity. Now here's what Solomon is going to do. He's going to talk about the young man and what he can do while he is young. And he's going to compare that to a man of an advanced age. You see, while he looks at the youthful vigor... Solomon uses some very colorful ways of 
picturing growing old. In fact, as I listen to this, you almost feel like it's describing who you are. From the verse 1, he says, Before the difficult days and the days that you have no pleasure in them. If I were to ask most older people, how do you feel today? You know what the response is? I ache. I have pains. I had trouble getting up this morning. As he begins to talk about what you will experience in life, you know, you often heard of the golden years. I ask some people when you retire, I say, how's your retirement going? I'm so busy, I don't have time to do anything. What are you doing? I'm going to this doctor today, and I'm going to another appointment for the next doctor the next day. You don't have time to do anything because they're going from one doctor to the next. Some of you young people smile, but ask some of the older folks and find out what's going on. Days when you say, I have no pleasure in them. You know, you get up when you're young and you say, oh, it's a beautiful day. Let's seize the day. And you get up on a little, little age and you say, seize the handrail to be able to pull yourself up. Solomon is trying to picture this for us. He talks about the lights being darkened, the sun, the moon. All it takes is just a little bit of understanding. You know, there's so many diseases of the eyes that progress as you get old. My grandfather went blind from glaucoma. It's almost like a, a tunnel that just closes up. Pretty soon you can't see. Some of you have had cataracts removed. And you know how bright things are. You see somebody walking around with a pair of sunglasses inside. You know why? Because of the brightness now that they see. What he's talking about is a person's eyesight failing. Clouds following the rain indicates that one does not have time to recuperate before the next storm. It's almost like you get one sickness and then before you get over that one there's another sickness. Trembling and bowing down of the strong indicates those who now need help. You see people who were once tall, erect, strong. Now they're feeble, they're bent over a little bit as their bones begin to deteriorate. You know, when Jesus spoke to Peter, Peter was probably a young man. And evidently John the apostle was also young. And Jesus is trying to explain what's going to happen in the future. And he says, most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself. You walked where you wished. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry where you do not wish. You see, the older person now is one who's got to have help to get around. He talks about the grinders being few. The grinders are your teeth that you grind your food with. Teeth begin to decay, have to be removed. The sound heard in the street, oh, is not heard. As if the doors are shut. 
the sound of the grinding is low as the volume is of the daughters of music. How many of you have heard your grandparents say, Huh, what did you say? I didn't hear you. The loss of hearing. The lack of sleep causes a person to rise at the sound of the bird. Oh, you know what that bird is, don't you? The rooster crows. And you look and here's grandpa and grandma and they're up before daylight. Anybody ever ask the question, why? Can't sleep. Frailty brings fear. You're no longer able to feel like I can do anything I want to. I don't have the stamina. I don't have the strength. I don't have the vigor. The almond tree blossoms. The almond blossom is gray. Hair starts to turn. No longer that dark, beautiful, wavy hair or beautiful blonde hair. Now you know what it looks like? Snow top mountain or an almond blossom. Talks about the grasshopper being a burden. Even an insect is a challenge now. And he says, and desire fails. Literally, the word is caperberry. Caperberries were used at aphrodisiacs. He's talking about the loss of desire that a man might have for his wife or a wife or a husband. Sometimes it was also used for rheumatism. You know, the desire fails. And so then he says, finally one goes to his eternal home and the mourners go about the street. Oh, now you're looking from a young person. He says, remember now your Creator before you get to the old age to the point where you have one foot in the grave. And then he's going to use four pictures. He said, before the silver cord is loosed, before the golden bowl is broken and the pitcher is broken at the fountain and the wheel, talking about a grinding wheel. These are things that once you destroy them, once they're broken, you can't use them again. They're broken for good. Before you get to the point where you can't recover from your illness or from your sickness, And then he says, the body returns to the dust from which it was taken. Genesis 3, 19, In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Wow. Almost sounds morbid, doesn't it? Talking about the growing old. But now Solomon's going to step back. Here's what he's going to say. There's something that is absolute in all of this. As you look at the vanity of vanities, all is vanity, there's something upon which you can place your confidence. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is man's all. 
For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Solomon began in chapter 1 saying, I tried this, I tried this, I sought this, I I wondered if this would work. And he said, vanity of vanities, all is grasping for wind. And now he says, now I know. This is what's true. This is what's right. Pondering the many pursuits of life and everything is vanity. Fear God and keep His commandments. If you go all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 10, Moses is with the children of Israel on the east side of the Jordan River. They're about to cross over and go into the promised land. There's a whole new generation now that's grown up in the wilderness. And he wants to provide them some parting words that stick Here's what he says. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. God is there and what you do, you must serve him with everything that you have within you. That's exactly what Solomon was saying. Every choice man makes will ultimately be judged by God. Whether I'm young or whether I'm old, whether I'm rich or I'm poor, whether I am intelligent or I'm dumb, whether or not I have the power and the ability to enjoy pleasure, Solomon says, when it comes down to it, Everybody's going to be judged by what he has and where he is and what he has done. Chapter 3, verse 17, I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked. For there is a time and there's a purpose for every work. A time and a purpose, a place where you find yourself, God will judge you. And God will judge me. We've learned from Solomon as he has pondered the meaning of life. We've listened to Solomon's observations, the things which he has chosen to review and say, okay, this is what is important. You don't have to try it all. Solomon did. He tried the wisdom of the world. He tried pleasure. He tried to enjoy the wealth. And he says, all this is worthless. You know what's sad? I can't tell you how many people I've known in this life that you go visit them on their deathbed and they look up at you and they say, I can't believe I spent my whole life pursuing this or pursuing that. And now I've lost those things most precious to me. My children are here and doing different things. My family is I traded them away for 
most often material things. Solomon is trying to say, I've already been there. I've already done that. I've found out it's worthless. Listen to me as the preacher is what is Solomon saying and find out where true life is to be found. Serving God is the meaning of life. Now we're going to sing an invitation song. And in fact, the title of the song is Just As I Am. And I'd like for you to look at your own life right now and say, Just As I Am, would I be saved or would I be lost? You know the answer to that question. God definitely knows the answer to the question. Now what could we say or what could we do to move you, to motivate you to want to fix that? Would you choose this morning to say, if you're not a Christian, I want to become one. I believe in Jesus. I'm sorry for the sins that I've committed. I'm repenting of them. I believe in Him and I don't mind anyone else knowing that. I want to do what the apostles taught and that is to repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Acts 2 verse 38. You know quite often though we're like the elder brother in Luke 15. We look at the mistakes that others have made and fail to look at our own. Sometimes we're forced to turn back and look at ourselves and say, am I ready? Just as I am. We can pray with you and for you that God will forgive you of your sins if you want those sins forgiven. But if you want them forgiven, you need to do what James 5.16 says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We're going to sing number 380. If you're subject to the Lord's invitation, would you come as together we stand and sing?